Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports. And now, the time fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the MTMV main card with your man, The Voice. As always, let's start off with some headlines and hot takes. Bad to the bones, Jones cost the old UFC money once again. And according to Dana in the press conference on Thursday, cost them to the tune of $6 million just to move the fight from Vegas to L.A. Seems like whatever John took may stay in his system forever. Nevada State Athletic Commission said, no, you can't fight here. But we won't stop you from fighting in California where they're familiar with it. Supposedly, the same oral Torino ball which showed up last time has reared its ugly head again this is some hardcore stuff wasn't even made for human consumption it was used by East Germany back in the day and the Russians as recently as the Sochi Olympics the amount that he popped for was a trillionth of a gram it was split up into like a trillionth not a millionth not a billionth but a trillionth of a gram unfortunately for fighters like Tom Lawler and Frank Mir who tested for even lower amounts than John did they didn't get the same treatment as Mr. Nine Lives this very very small amount experts say according to what the UFC's told us it can pulse through their system at any time. Now Mark Raimondi of MMA Fighting brought up this information at the conference on Thursday and quoted what Jeff Nowitzki was saying on Joe Rogan's show that the first time they saw this happen in John was in August of this year. August and it happened again in September. The last time he posted was December 6th of this year and this month. But they just switched things up a couple days ago. Now, Usada said it is not enough to be considered a PED, which is the reason why he wasn't suspended. First, when I heard this, I thought about Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong passed every test known to man. But he came out at the end and said, you know what? I'm guilty. I've been doping the whole time. Whereas Jones, he keeps having these small failures. He's not passing all his tests. It's just a little over here and a little over there. And I'm sorry from just my gut. Something does not seem right to me about this situation. 
especially since John keeps talking about how little it is. Oh, it's just a little bit over here. Oh, it's just a little bit over there. Yeah, but it keeps happening. And who knows what that little bit actually can do. Again, you side to say it's not enough to be a performance enhancer, but it only takes a very, very small amount of the most potent biotoxin to kill a man. So the fact that it's a little to me doesn't say a whole lot because we just don't know what it could be again we can only go by the information given to us by the experts who say it's not performance enhancing but the fact that it keeps happening I'm sorry it just does not seem right now I'll give John credit he did fly to California and submit a test immediately upon the California State Athletic Commission saying that they would consider sanctioning the bout. He also submitted to VADA for testing, which helps California out because VADA doesn't report to the UFC. They report to the local body and allow that body to discipline however they feel. Plus, VADA's a bit stricter than USADA is. Again, experts have said that this has happened before. Uh, They mentioned a player on the Knicks uh, specifically who continues to go through this. It happened in in college and uh, he kept having issues. So we can only go with what the experts are saying. But it just doesn't look good, especially for someone who has tested positive on more than one occasion. And it keeps happening back to back to back to back to back. Now, John spent Wednesday trying to make it up to fans and fighters. He had a meet and greet at the hotel to sign items for fans. And he tried to talk to everyone on the card and apologize for all of the headache and heartache and money that they were losing by moving from Vegas to L.A. Because Vegas has no taxes. L.A. has some of the highest taxes. Money's already been spent for flights and hotels and things for family members as well as fans now they're trying to move to LA and trying to get stuff last minute there you know, it's, it's a nightmare it really is and John felt the same way he said honestly my initial reaction was not again it felt like a nightmare but honestly I think my faith in God has really really helped me out with this situation just believing that hey Listen, this is all what my story is going to be. I said last week that I believe John has seen a lot of favor in these cases because of not so much his faith in God, but his praying parents who I know have interceded on his behalf a number of times. Now, hopefully things like this will help lead John closer and closer to Christ because his actions don't necessarily speak to one uh, who is a Christian but you know we, we can only pray that the Lord will use this to help draw him closer and time will tell if he's still being chemically enhanced alright I hold my previews to the last minute that I possibly can it still isn't even the absolute last minute because I try to drop the main card on Friday mornings 
and the weigh-ins take place on Friday morning. So, and much later than when I dropped the main card, I try to drop it one, two, three in the morning. But anyway, I hold out to the last minute just in case a fighter falls out of the car during the weigh-in time frame. People get injured, they get hurt all the time. Uh, weight cuts go bad. You just never know what's going to happen. What I have not remembered happening ever was a ref being unable to perform, though. But that's what happened for this card. Herb Dean got injured, and he is out of the main event. Stepping in for him will be the live-action Yosemite Sam himself, Mike Beltran. Fight, are you ready? Fight, are you ready? Hey, let's go. And let's go on to close out headlines and hot takes and to close it out I gotta start it off by saying unfortunately I am no stranger to confrontations that have gone too far I remember being a kid and seeing like 50 to 75 guys chase four dudes with bats and I saw at least three guns knives all kinds of weapons in my normally quiet subdivision four times in the past six months some gangbangers have shot up my neighbor's home trying to kill his grandson including Christmas Eve and Christmas Day this year so again unfortunately I'm no stranger to confrontations going way too far but I'm sorry Brazil takes it to a whole nother level MMA fighting confirmed what Cowboy Oliveira explained to local outlet TV Rio Sul about an altercation he had when he was going to put gas in his mother's car this week. He said, one guy came up and pointed a gun at my nephew's face. That's when people started pushing each other. They had machetes, knives, a grenade. They threw a grenade in my direction. Fragments flew into my leg and my foot cowboy had minor surgery to remove the shrapnel and I'm praying for his speedy recovery and peace in Brazil again I've seen and heard a lot of things automatic weapons uh, huge huge shotguns just all kinds of stuff but grenades yeah that's a new one on the kid alright that does it for headlines and hot takes up next Boxing news in the old one, too. What's up, guys? John here, coming at you, representing Tinseltown, La La Land itself. That's right. It's LA Confidential bringing you the newest Laker podcast up-to-date game breakdown, up-to-date game analysis, what is scenarios, outlooks for the season, whatever it is. If it's Lakers, I'm bringing it on the MTMV Sports Podcast Network, trying to start your week off right every Monday with LA Confidential. Thank you. Come hang out. Now we're going to step between the ropes and into the squared circle for the old one, two. And we're going to start this off with some 
good news. Adonis Stevenson woke up from his coma. He'd been in a medically induced coma for 21 days after losing his title to Alexander Vazdik on December 1st of this year in his home city of Montreal, Canada. Praying for a full recovery for him as we don't know how long the road is to go for him. He recently became a father and being able to be there for his daughter and being in her life is much more important than any sporting endeavor that he could undertake. Now, speaking of prayer, Adrian Vrona needs much prayer as he was arrested by the Broward County Sheriff's Department on Sunday, December 23rd, according to a short arrest form that Ring Magazine obtained. Now, TMZ reported that the arrest was from a failure to appear in court for driving without a license or proof of insurance and speeding back in 2017. The problem bonded out for $750 and was released the same day. Uh, hopefully he can stop being a problem and focus on the fight game. Speaking of the fight game, the biggest fighter in the game, Floyd Mayweather, will be competing in an exhibition bout on New Year's Eve versus Tension Nasakawa. Tension had a media workout in Mayweather Gym a couple weeks back, and he looked good in the limited work that was shown. Unfortunately, that's the closest many of us fight fans will come to seeing Mayweather versus Nasakawa. Because if you live in the U.S., Canada, Mexico, or Japan, you will not get to see Floyd versus Tension on Rising 14, which is streamed for us in those four territories via Fight TV. $20? That's not a lot of money for that card. But there's a lot of money being left on the table by omitting this matchup, pardon the pun. My thoughts are that Floyd's ego doesn't want to take the blow that if tension gets in there, this young gun with skills and speed, if he gets in there and touches him up, I don't think he wants everyone being able to see that. Though that does put a pin in and bust the bubble that I thought, which was that Floyd was doing this not only to get paid, but also to maybe drum up some interest in what looks like to be a done deal between he and Pacquiao for a second fight between them if Pacquiao can get past Broner. The fact that he doesn't want to see, no. I don't know. Again, maybe it's just his ego, like just in case. I don't I don't want it to get out that uh that I didn't take this seriously or that this dude who's some twenty five pounds less than me is killing me well that's it as far as the headlines and the news is concerned so let's look at 
the boxing lineup to close out 2018. We got two Western boxing cards taking place in the Far East. On Sunday, December 30th in Tokyo, Japan, broadcast via ESPN, you got WBO Junior Lightweight Champ Masayuki Ito, who's ranked number six, putting it all on the line versus Evgeny Chupakov. Also on that card, you have Ken Shiro, who's ranked number one at Junior Flyweight, and he's looking to defend his WBC belt versus Saul Warrens. On Monday, December 31st, in Macau, you've got number seventh ranked and number 10 ranked pound for pound, Donnie Nitez, taking on Kazuto Ioka, who's ranked number three at Junior Bantamweight, and this will be for the vacant WBO title. Also on this card, you got Heki Boodler taking on Hiroto Koiguchi. Boodler is the champ and the lineal champ. He holds a ring belt, IBF belt, and the WBA title. Taking on number seven rank Hiroto for all those belts that I just talked about at Junior Flyweight. Also on this card, you got another title fight with Maruti Mafalane, who's ranked number one, taking on Masahiro Sakamoto, 12 rounds at flyweight for the IBF title that Maruti holds. Let's step out the ring now and into the Decagon to preview the culmination of PFL Season 1. Hey yo, what up? It's Tori Deshaun, aka Booby, and you listening to MTMV Sports Scat. The PFL will crown its season one champions in PFL 11, which takes place at the Hulu Theater in Madison Square Garden. The card has seven fights. And all but one of them is for a championship. The one that's not for a championship is a featured lightweight women's fight between 2-0 Kayla Harrison and 3-4 Moriel Charneski. Honestly, this looks like a high-level exhibition for Harrison, who is one of the rising stars in MMA and a budding star for the PFL. The gold medal judoka has been impressive in her two bouts, and looks to be right back here next year because season two will include a women's lightweight tournament. Moriel's been fighting for about three years and last time she fought was about this time in 2017 where she picked up her third win and all three of her victories have come by TKO. The middleweight title fight between number one seed 22 3 and 1 Abus Magomedov and number 2 seed 17 4 and 1 Lewis Handguns Taylor. Taylor nearly missed out on being in the finals due to a foul in the semifinal match, but he was allowed to advance. Abus has KO'd everyone in the regular season and picked up two decisions in the playoffs to qualify for the finals. 
the featherweight finalists are also top seeds. As former WSOF champ, 16-3 Lance the Party Palmer is seeded number two, taking on 32-17-1 UFC vet and number one seeded fighter at featherweight, Steven Super Silent. Both the party and Super submitted their way through the regular season. Siler was a recipient of a disqualification win in the semifinals when former WSOF champ Alexandre Almeida kicked him in the head while he was a ground opponent. Palmer, he decisioned his way through the finals, including beating undefeated former champ, the man who took the WSOF strap from him, Andre the Bull Harrison. The number one lightweight seed coming out of Brazil with a record of 14-3-1, Natan Russo Schulte takes on 22-2-1. Number seven seed, Rashid Goritz Magomedov. They tangle for the lightweight title. Goritz only had one fight in the regular season, whereas most of the people competing in the PFL had two regular season fights. But that one fight was all he needed to get into the playoffs. There he got past former Bellator champ Will Brooks, then punched his ticket to the finals with the TKO of UFC vet Tiago Tavares. Schulte, on the other hand, had all UFC vets en route to the finals. He had Chris Wade bookend first fight in the regular season and last fight in the playoffs to get to the finals. In between, he fought Johnny Case and Jason High. Vying for the lightweight strap, Vinny Pizal Magalhaes has stopped everyone in the uh, Decagon with three submissions and one KO to move his record to 18 and 9 and that's why he's the number one ranked seed. Standing in his way is the number six seed, the real OC, Sean O'Connell who has made the most of his time with the PFL both through putting on fantastic fights as well as showing off his commentary skills on the mic for fights. A TKO set the real OC back in the second fight of the regular season, but the five points he picked up in the first fight got him into the playoffs, where he secured a spot in the semifinals with a KO of former WSOF heavyweight champ, Similiano Rama, moving his record to 20 and 10. The number eight seed for the heavyweight division brings his record of 18-5-1 to the cage. And that's the person, the cuddly bear himself, Josh Copeland. And he hopes to keep his Cinderella run going versus number three seed, Philip Monstro Lenz, who improved to 13-3 under the PFL banner. Copeland started the season with a TKO loss to Jack May. Since then, he clawed his way up and secured the final spot in the playoffs. And with a win 
he'll be a millionaire to start off the new year. All of Lynn's PFL fights have ended within the limit. Two by KO, one by submission. Like Rashid Magomedov, Monstro only needed one fight in the regular season to advance to the finals. This is the only matchup on the card for a championship that doesn't have a number one seed. The featured fight has breakout star for the PFL. Number one seed, 17 and 4, Ray, brother boy Cooper the third, who looks to keep his undefeated finishing streak intact under the PFL banner, taking on the fighter with the scariest name in the PFL. Number three seed, Megamed. Megamed Karamov. When you have Megamed in your name and you're from Russia and you're a fighter, you're a scary man. This man doubled down with two Megamed, Megamed Karamov. He's 22 and 5, has stopped two of his four fights in season one. And one of those opponents he faced twice due to the way the format is set up. The second time he fought him is when he stopped him. Ray did the same thing, but he stopped legendary former Strike Force and former WSOF Woodley Weight champion. That's right, this is in the Woodley Weight division, even though he's not fighting uh, in PFL. Doesn't matter, it's the Woodley Weight division. Jake Shields, who actually beat Woodley, but that's neither here nor there. Ray KO'd everyone in his way will the street continue or will the russian take the crown we won't know until the pin drops the cage door locks the thumbs go up and they start the clock it's time to pause for the cause and in the next segment we'll preview ufc 232 UFC 232 takes place at the fabulous forum in Inglewood, California. We talked about the move from Vegas to LA in headlines and hot takes, so I'm not going to belabor that point. The headlining fight pits 22-1 John Bones Jones versus 18 and 4, Alexander the Mauler Gustafsson for the light heavyweight title. I scored the first fight between Gus and John for Gustafsson when I was watching it live. I went back and rewatched the fight and I gave rounds 1, 3, and 4 to Gus, but it was a really, really close fight. John Gooden on the breakdown show that he does with Dan Hardy for the UFC, said that Gus Kemp saw John winning like the end of the round, like about with a minute left, and they really want to close that gap. If he can keep up the pace, that could make the difference because by round five of the first fight, Gustafsson was exhausted, and John admittedly was tired by round two of the fight. 
Gus will need that endurance to stay mobile and use his angles that were so effective the first time around. For John, elbows and leg kicks and head kicks were the most effective strikes that he had. John says that he wants to finish him this time and he really thinks that a lack of preparation and taking Gus lightly was the big difference last fight. Bones was able to beat DC with a bunch of drama last time in his one and only rematch. My question is, how long will Jones be able to keep up this pace with all his missteps? Will this be the time that it finally catches up with him? We'll find out Saturday night. For the second time this year, the UFC has a champion versus champion matchup. As featherweight queen, Chris Cyborg Justino takes on bantamweight queen, Amanda the Lioness Nunez for Cyborg's 145-pound title. If this were not a title match, oh, it'd be the voices marquee matchup all day, as I am definitely looking forward to this fight. When she entered Strike Force at the age of 22, it was thought with some experience that Amanda could be the one to give Cyborg a true test. Fast forward seven years, and now we get to see it. Lioness is the heaviest hitter that Cyborg will have ever faced with 11 knockouts on her record coming into the event. Cyborg is generally the bigger, stronger, heavier-handed combatant. That may not be the case this time. There's been a lot of back and forth leading up to this fight about the time that Amanda took to prepare. Cyborg wanted to do it early in the year, but Amanda wanted time to put on the weight for the fight. And she said, look, this is my natural weight class. This is where I'm supposed to be fighting. And this is where I'm going to do my best work. So this should be fireworks. If New Year's can't hurt Cyborg, but can employ some of Holly's strategy of pressure and tie-ups, she could be the first one to beat Justino over the past 13 years. All right, so that's the main and co-main event. Also on this card, you have 14 and 4, Michael the Maverick Chiesa taking on 30 and 12, the natural born killer, Carlos Condit. And this will be contested at Woodley Weight. I can't say that it's a must win for Condit because he hasn't had a winning streak since 2012. In the nine fights since then, he's been two and seven including the four-fight losing skid that he's currently on. For Maverick, he's on a, the first losing streak of his 10-year career. And he looks to reinvent himself at Woodley Weight, with his prior contest being at 155 pounds. A number of fighters have found success as they stopped cutting weight. Case in point, the current middleweight champ and the current middleweight challenger Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gastelum. 
Look at Mahela Santos since he moved up to 205. And Anthony Lionheart Smith since he moved up to 205. DC went back to heavyweight. I mean, the list goes on and on. So, it'll be interesting to see if this helps Maverick or if the natural born killer can turn back the clock and pick up a win. At 11 and 4, and at light heavyweight, Corey Overtime Anderson will challenge 14 and 5 Elir the Sledgehammer Latifi. Light heavyweight was wide open for much of 2018. All you had to do is put a couple wins together and you could probably get a title shot. With the infusion of talent recently from middleweight, rising stars like Dominic Reyes, Johnny Walker, as well as the return of the consensus number one pound for pound greatest of all time, things are a lot more interesting in the premier division of the UFC. Alir's only loss in his last six fights has been just one. And he is looking to keep his win streak intact. And it's important that he does that if he wants to get a crack at the king. But if the king winds up being his training partner, which is Alexander Gustafsson, if Gus wins the title, then he probably is not going to challenge him. Anderson is also riding a two-fight win streak, but he may need a little more than a win over the number five ranked fighter at 205 to get a shot at the strap. He would need a convincing, bonus-worthy performance to put him in contention. At 18-4, Chad Money Mendez is going to take on 18-1 Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. This is a featherweight fight. It's the curtain jerker. And it's also the voices marquee matchup. Depending on the outcome of Aldo Moicano on February 2nd of 2019, this fight between Mendez and Volkanovski could have major title implications. Aldo's lost consecutive times to Max. So if he wins, yeah. He's not getting a fight. He is in Joe Benavidez status as long as Blessed holds the title. For Moicano, unless he has some more weight issues, a win should make him next. Regardless of the winner of that fight, though, whoever wins the Voices Marquee matchup on Saturday will put themselves in prime position going forward. And at the most, will need one more win to get a shot at the title. Volkanovski is on a phenomenal run. 15 wins in a row. Five of those being in the UFC. This heavy hitter has stopped all but five of his fights. Ten of them have been by knockout, and the other three have been by submission. Money Mendez is a team alpha male vet and he looked good coming back to the UFC earlier this year after having a two year USADA suspension in his career 
He's only lost to three people. All of his losses have been to champions. And three of those losses were in title challenges. To fall to Volkanovski will break that streak. As one of the most notable names in the division, an impressive win could cause him to leapfrog Moicano because he didn't make weight as a backup fighter earlier this year if Moicano were to beat Aldo. You may be asking yourself, what's the formula for the Voices Marquee matchup? What do I choose to select it? Outside of it being a Nigerian, (laughs) it's going to be the most exciting fight, the most intriguing fight. And it's not going to be either the main event or a title fight. Again, without being Nigerian associated in this fight, this one checks all the boxes. My shout out for the undercard goes to the Megan Anderson, Katz and Gano fight. I love, 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 love Katz and Gano. Woo! I love me some Katz and Gano. On top of that, though, the winner of this fight, like the Voices Marquee matchup for the main card, has a strong chance of fighting next for the title. Uh, at 145 pounds the undercard is really really good you got former champs all throughout it you got Andre Arlovsky fighting Walt Harris BJ Penn taking on Ryan Hall and on top of that you got Douglas Silva DeAndrage taking on the rising star Peter Yan again great great undercard and a nice way for the UFC to end their run with Fox. Next up, we'll have the official results for this episode of the MTMV Sports main card. Baseball fans rejoice. It's my team, my voice. For the most baseball coverage on MTMV Sports, tune into the Out of the Pin podcast every other Friday night. Join me, Eric Boston, and the rest of the Out of the Pin baseball team as we bring you interviews, discussions, and the latest happenings from around the baseball world. It's the Out of the Pin podcast. Check out our website at outofthepinbaseball.com where you always get baseball from a fan's perspective. Thank you, Fight Fans, for tuning in to the MTMV main card this week. Our podcast get released first via Anchor.fm. And also on Anchor, if you want to leave a message, you can do so there. And I can incorporate that into the podcast. So if you want your voice to be heard, you can do so on Anchor.fm. Also... You can do it by calling in to the MTMV Sports line. Our number is 470-228-MTMV. That's 470-228-6868 for MTMV. A lot of people listen to our podcast. As a matter of fact, most of the people who listen to our podcast do so via Apple Podcasts. So 
I encourage you to subscribe there and leave us a review. Want to salute our sponsor, Pocket Cast, which you can also use to listen to MTMV Sports, whether that be on your iPhone or your Android. Doesn't matter. That app works both places. You can also listen to us on Spotify if that's what you like to listen, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Coming up soon, me and my MMA main man, Josh Moosel, should hit you with the newest installment of Aftermath. This time, we'll bring you more than the week that was in MMA, but we'll discuss some of our favorite memories of 2018. Sports fans rejoice! My team, my voice, and until next time, it's your man, the voice, host of the MTMV main card, and I'm sounding off. Mm-hmm.